listening to the Top Music Guitar Podcast, the show for guitar teachers to learn about the craft of teaching great guitar lessons that students love. If you're looking to start or expand your studio and make guitar teaching your full-time dream job, you've come to the right place. Each week, you'll get to hear from some of the top guitar teachers from around the globe and get their best tips and experiences so you too can build your own dream studio. I'm your host, Michael, and I've founded one of the top guitar schools in Australia, written a best-selling curriculum, and I mentor guitar teachers. I'm excited to share my expertise with you and the wisdom of all the experts we interview. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Top Music Guitar Podcast. Today I've got a real treat for you, a special guest, someone in the Melbourne music scene who is very, very well known, both as a tremendous player on guitar and also as a teacher and educator, and that is a great friend of mine and something I want to do even more stuff with in future, and that is Mr. Jack Pantaz. Jack, welcome to the Top Music Guitar Podcast. Thanks for having me, Michael. Thanks for the introduction. It's very kind of you. So I first met Jack, I think, in my year 12 VCE exam. I didn't know him back at the time, but he, when mm. I come and got lessons with him just in the middle of COVID when I needed some help with my jazz playing, I've gone, hang on, this guy looks pretty familiar. And, you know, I reckon that's where I had you, Jack, in my VCE exam probably about 12 years ago. <laughs> and, and I hope that it, it was an, an experience that didn't leave you scarred. <laughs> oh, it wasn't you that left me scarred, but... but <laughs> to kick off the podcast with a funny story. And this yeah, is yeah. something I've told this a couple of times, not on the podcast, but yeah. about three days before my VC year 12 exam, for those listening in America, basically the uh, the high school guitar subject exam, I had a really bad ear infection. I couldn't actually hear out of my uh, right side ear, just had a really bad pain and you know, couldn't have got worse timing. And yeah. as I was playing, I'm like, oh, something doesn't sound right. And I noticed this about two or three days ahead of the exam, something just wasn't working. I thought, oh, it just must be my um, must be my ear infection. Anyway, I, I come to the exam and I start warming up. And I, as we set up, and I think there was a lady sitting next to you, Jack, and she sort of yells out and goes, "You probably want to tune up your guitar before you get started." And I, I'm like, "Yeah, my guitar's in tune. I could do that." Anyway, I do the exam. I play through all the pieces, and you know, I, I feel great. I think I, uh, I played pretty good. And then I get home later that day. It might even be the next day. I went to tune my guitar, and it was completely sharp and I've gone oh that's strange and then I went and got the acoustic I used and I went to tune that and that was completely sharp as well and I've gone oh no and I went went to the bag got the tuner I took the exam and it was set to like 456 hertz instead of 440 Uh, and I did my whole (laughs) year 12 exam (laughs) in front of you Jack wow Um, at 456, but I got a pretty good mark so you must have been pretty forgiving (laughs) getting back to what I said before then maybe I wasn't scarred by it then (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, no, I don't remember it, but it, th- these are the sort of things that, you know, we all have to be aware of. You know, I know that we're going to talk about these things in a minute and what students can do for preparation, et cetera, et cetera. But it's all, it's, it's all experience learning and, and environments, um, scenarios, and, um, and we'll talk about that because it's really important that students get an idea that, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at and what level you're at. Things can happen uh, for the good or for the bad. Uh, for the bad, good experiences, bad experiences, and it's, it's a matter of, I think, in our in our line of work, shall we say, um, it is failure is a good thing. You know, you have to look at it as a good thing. You know, our society doesn't really treat failure in in those sort of ways, but for us, uh, being you're working on a music musical pursuit that um, you have to go through certain things. You have to feel certain things. It can't always be on the up and up and up. It's, it's always going to be a plateau where there's a few little blips and then, 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 then there's a spike and then there's another plateau and then there's another spike and the spike can go up or down from those plateaus too. And, um, and that's what makes us um, aware in the end. I mean, I'm sure after that experience, Michael, you would have checked um, your, uh, you know, <laughs> where your tune is being set, you know, so those sort of things are really interesting and important and for everyone um, to learn from those mistakes and not be too disillusioned. But, um, yeah. And very well said about the failures. Like, you know, students of mine are always upset about making mistakes and I say, so what? Like, if you count up all the mistakes I've made, 
it's going to be 10, you know, doing a group lesson with six people in the room. I can go guarantee you I've made more stakes than all six of you people put together. But the difference Absolutely. between the people who become pros or become really good at it is they're not scared to make mistakes. And when they do make mistakes, you know, they learn from them. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Right? If you're just doing the same thing over and over again, then, and you're not learning from it, then that's bad. But if you make a mistake and go, all right, what do I do better for next time? That's how you. And, yeah, exactly. Oh, totally agree. The thing with the, the different levels, like beginning level, intermediate, professional. You know, the thing is when, when mistakes are made at each of those levels, there's there's a reaction time, I think, you know, that varies all those levels. Like, you know, when I make mistakes, I, I would like to think that I can adjust them very, very quickly so they're not that noticeable. And because, you know, you've gone through those things before and you know what sort of things you can trigger. Um, but when you're beginning, um, a mistake can feel like you're in a canyon and you just can't get out of it. Um, and so as you go through your musical paths and, and, and progress, you know, if there's certain things that happen, I think we've all got something in us that will create the the out switch, you know, like, okay, <laughs> you know it's going to happen, that, that happened, move on. And, you know, the more the longer you play, you're certain, you, you know certain little, um, not tricks of the trade, it's sort of like your reactional responses to make those mistakes not as audible and maybe part of the music, which is very important, you know. So uh, that's what makes music so alive and so organic. It's not a computer playing, it's a human being, you know. So it's um, it's very important those things are always kept in um, some sort of perspective, you know. Yeah, 100%. And I think it would be interesting to hear from your perspective, like for the advanced players listening, yeah. we'll often – be able to count the mistakes that we made and know, you know, song number three, 26 seconds in, I made a mistake. And then song number five, 18 seconds in, I made a mistake. And at the end of the show being like, oh, I played really terribly. Everything went really bad. But then you go back and listen to it and That's you fair. go out for a microsecond before you autocorrect. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, like I, you know, those sort of situations will occur for everyone. It depends on how, you know, what those situations are, what sort of live uh, performances we're talking about. You know, I mean, I know a few years back doing, because uh, I've been in that privilege of playing guitar for Carols by Candlelight is for me, uh, you know, it's it, it's a great opportunity. It's a great privilege, but it's also a lot of pressure um, and you're trying not to um, fall into that pressure, but that we're only human. So, I mean, because, you know, if you think about it, what I sit back and think about and go, well, you know, you get two days rehearsals and then you're playing live in front of an audience of a few thousand, and then there's probably a few million watching it live on air. So it's sort of like things can happen. But I do remember at one point, uh, not revealing any names of anyone up back, but I know at a rehearsal which um, we'd play something and, and I'm playing something on an acoustic guitar as an introduction for a particular singer and it's just got a very simple hammer on, you know, to be played. I can't remember what it was. It could have just been an E chord. And... Um, it, I didn't really think twice about it, you know, and just play the rehearsals and it was fine. But I do remember the next tune on the night of the performance and you're in front of those that scenario. And I, I, I do remember my mind thinking at split moment, just before I started playing an introduction, before the, the conductor brought the, the baton down, Jack, there's means out there. Boom, that was it. That was enough to trigger a simple application into what I thought was just, Jack, you stuffed that up really well. But in hindsight, listening back to it, it wasn't so bad, but it was those that moment where the brain just ticked in and played, you know, brought back, it brought everything into um, that light. These are things that, you know, I've grown from and I've learned from. And so that, you know, like that, that mental awareness of everything is very important. I'm not an expert at it, but I know that every performance is going to give you challenges. You know, like I've got a rehearsal to get to later on this afternoon for a show that I'm doing next week, and it's um, it's a show that puts me on the spotlight because I'm doing a lot of West. It's a West Montgomery thing, so I've got to play you know fairly well, and I'm trying not to think too many things of I should do this, I should do that, I should do you know or, or that. What's that person thinking? What's it? I've I've been through those sort of things before, and the thing is, you've just got to be truthful to yourself and play within that zone that we try and get into, uh, but aware at the same time. I mean, that's that's not easy stuff, you know. You can have a student with you for a few years playing stuff in amongst the two of you, 
you get into a scenario like you just said with um, examination, totally foreign. You put that student in a, in a first performance at a concert hall somewhere, totally foreign. They, they, they'll, they'll learn from it, they'll grow from it and develop from it. And, and, and I'm just fortunate that I try and play as much music as possible with different people so that that element of, uh, or should I say, you know, both feet are planted on the ground properly, you know, so there's no, it's got to be fir- a firm sort of approach to everything, you know, like what's coming up, what preparation do you got to do and, and practice and, and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, without going down to the, tr- the, the path of me running an outfit and then do all the organising, I mean, this is totally different sort of discussion there, you know, being organised and being on top of who you're booking, you know, venues, uh, repertoire, everything else you do to promote. There's that as well. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff later on. And depend- everyone's different with it. You know, like I, I, I do it all myself. I don't have a manager for it. You know, I mean, you know, I'm not at that level. And, and, and it's fun and challenging to do a lot of this and also to try and put, you know, where people are at ease. You know, this is a nine-piece group this afternoon that I'm, all, you know, rehearsing uh, and just going through the tunes. And so, um, yeah, that's what's on my mind uh, for today. As soon as we finish this, a bit of warming up, we're going through the tunes, um, and then go and direct this. We're going to um, this rehearsal. Yeah. So you're obviously a very busy man, and we dove straight into this conversation. But how about we just go back a bit and give the listeners a brief overview of your story so far, and of course, you know, right up until when you first started playing guitar to who you were learning with, coming up to jobs you've had, as well as you know, musical projects that you've been doing. Let me. Um, all right. Wow. Okay. So I, I grew up in a family uh, who my father uh, was. Um, he's retired now, but he was a piano player. You know, dad played piano five nights a week um, when he came to the country in 1962, a migrant, and um, he could he, he started playing gigs. And um, dad made a career out of playing music. Uh, he never taught. He maybe rarely taught at home uh, a piano. He played, He plays accordion or used to play accordion and played clarinet too, self-taught on clarinet, but pretty much piano player. So we, uh, I, I grew up in that environment. Uh, my brother and I, and um, we sort of were exposed to a lot of music. I just want to put this disclaimer too that there's a lot of people that don't have that that upbringing too. Uh, it doesn't. I don't. I don't believe it's it's a huge factor in creating careers or in music. I'm just stating my my background. Because I know a lot of uh, people I know don't have that sort of parent or someone. And they were growing up with music, but in my environment, we always had music at home. There was a lot of a lot of records being played, um, and a lot of musicians that were around. So um, that was the first inkling of you know, well, in the ears of a lot of stuff. And 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 Dad's um, musical background was um, semi classical, Latin music, uh, some jazz, classical music, orchestral, uh, quartet, solo stuff. So I grew up listening to a lot of music and being of Greek heritage also grew up listening to a lot of Greek music uh, from our culture, not understanding it. Um, I have to say that's something that's been a lovely pursuit for the last six, seven years and actually getting into uh, my cultural background and making more understanding of what it is. But I grew up with that sort of cesspool of music. So that was the first thing. We always had instruments around at home. I mean, I've got some great old photos of me holding little guitars or playing on a little violin, always strumming or doing something. Uh, can't remember what exactly. Uh, there was a lot of singing at home. You know, we'd, there'd be a lot of Greek parties because being the first first uh, migrants in the country, like, you know, any new migrants, they all get together and sing. And, um, and there's a lot of that dancing. So we, we, we had that environment. But I started having lessons when I showed an interest in guitar, and I'll just back backpedal a bit. We started on piano with my father. It lasted a year with lessons. He, you know, I I uh, I love my dad, but as a teacher, it just didn't work. Maybe because it was father and son. I'm not too sure. But both my brother and I started on piano when we were about nine or ten. It didn't last. It did not last. But we love music. 
And so I wanted to go and learn guitar because I think at primary school I uh, picked up a guitar at primary school and we just had a, a music teacher show us some chords, open chords, in a, in a group situation in primary school, grade four or five, I reckon. Uh, anyway, Dad found a teacher for me. So when I was about 11, I went to um, uh, lessons. Luciano Dallariva uh, was my teacher and uh, he, I had lessons six, seven years with Lou, uh, weekly lessons. Uh, right through high school, basically, um, was my educational musical lessons. Uh, I taught, he taught me everything from, you know, reading. It, it wasn't stylistic, it was reading. Uh, I still have my first method book, which I got. It's a, an old 1932s publication uh, for guitar by, it's the Coles Method, C O L E S. And you know, it's a very old, it's got black and white photos. And, and he got me reading and started to read uh, proper notation. And one thing led to another uh, because um, Lou was, um, is an interesting background. Lou was a, a, a child prodigy classical pianist and self-taught guitar player. So I, I inadvertently learned from someone who was self-taught on the guitar, but a brilliant mind he had. And um, he got me through a lot of the fundamentals you know, eventually we moved, you know, beyond the guitar learning about harmony and and um, a lot of that knowledge. And Lou also crept into jazz. This is before I met him. He went into the jazz area and was really taken by that style of music. From classical to jazz, I think there's a very fine connection between the two, if, if, and that's another discussion altogether. I think the disciplines are very, very similar. So he got me into that. And introduced me to records. <laughs> go home and listen to this. Go home and listen to this. And um, mainly the guitar players to begin with. Herb Ellis, Barney Kessel, Joe Pass, Tal Fellow, Wes Montgomery. And, of course, those sort of records opening, opening my ears up to Oscar Peterson, uh, Bill Evans, Keith Jarrett, all these other beautiful uh, players. Paul Desmond, Saxman player, Charlie Parker, Lester Young, all, all that era. Jazz. So um, that's basically my, I have to say, he is the main reason as far as my, the way I teach and the way I bring myself across the students is pretty much my experiences in those from all that period of time when I had with Lou. I look back and reflect a lot on those times as much as one can when you're you know, um, back at that age. But I do remember um, very fondly that it wasn't I am the teacher, you are the student type of thing. Although, you know, he was giving me stuff, but it was a lot more relaxed than that. The environment was a beautiful learning environment. Uh, and to give you an idea, we started with half-hour lessons. It crept to an hour, hour and a half, two hours. My dad would have to drive home and then ring and say, can I come pick up my son? <laughs> That's how giving he was with, um, uh, as the years went on. Like, you know, that didn't happen in the first year, but Lou was always, you know, um, giving me more and more. And, um, yeah, and it could be, it could even be, let's sit back and listen to this stuff and put, we'll put a record on and listen to. Or we talk, you know, as much as a 13 or 14-year-old, you know, could discuss music. But having that environment rubbed off on me because, you know, that's I think it's very important that um, students with a teacher, be it a mentor or, you know, just that teacher you see, something you can gain from that experience, you know, something that rubs off, um, whether it's the, the manner in why the information is given, the way you speak to the student, the way you, you uh, show examples you know, because I think, you know, mentoring, you have to inspire as well. You have to show things. You have to um, demonstrate things. Of course, you have to explain things, write things out and so forth. But it's, it's all these other factors that, and your communication skills, you know, if we have to put it all on the one roller, it's like, well, I've got the information. I want to give it to you. How do you do that? And um, I think my teaching um, has evolved over the years. Um, I think like when we start teaching, we're very passionate. We want to give everything. <laughs> and sometimes it's too much. <laughs> and students are like left 
wandering, what's going on? So you start, you know, I guess culling to the point where you know when is the right time for that information, for that person, and when is the right time for the next bit of information. Um, so, yeah, I think I learned a lot from Lou with that. And, you know, I got into improvising, doing things, learning jazz standards, um, chordal melody stuff because Lou was great in, in, in showing me how to put chords and melodies together. Uh, and it was a great skill uh, that I use today in my vocational work uh, where I'll go and do gigs on my own. Like I've got a wedding this Saturday. I'm playing the ceremony for two hours and it's just me. And, I, you know, they particularly want jazz in the background. Um, and I look back at those times when I was learning, I go, wow, I never knew that, you know, this is where I'm going to head in, my, in what I do in music. I just knew that I wanted to play guitar and, and work at it and get better and better. The vocational thing came a little bit later, you know, teaching guitar, playing gigs. But that background was um, very paramount in who I am musically today. You know, that, those, that initial start with, with, with Lou. And uh, and very influential in a lot of different ways in, in, in developing a routine of how I practice, what I should practice, the importance of understanding why I do certain things. You know, like why should I do this? You know, what what's out of what do I get out of that? I think that's important. Not so much for the beginning at beginners at. at right off the cuff because it's again it's just too much information you just want to give them a little bit of stuff to get going and then feed stuff around it and and maybe show them what the finish line is. you know like if you do this yeah, this could be where it's heading or you know so they're, they're really important landmarks for me as far as um the teaching side and the learning but then the gigs are another learning aspect for me because you know, from playing music, uh, which I wanted to do, and I started playing gigs with my father in the music in the restaurant scene when I was fourteen, and it was like, wow, this is this is great, it's cool, but it was a lot to learn, and I had to try and keep up with the pro- professionals, um, and we get back to that word failure. Yep, <laughs> a lot of failure there, especially when Dad uh, would say to me, you know. Now, we're going to play this tune. It's in the key of E flat. It's only got the three chords. Turn your volume down and try and fold. You know, like three chords today, you go, oh, yeah, one, four, and five, I can do that. But, you know, for a 14-year-old, when you're told turn down your volume so you don't make too much of a mess and everyone hears you, just try and follow. That opportunity, you can't buy that. You cannot buy that. You know, you can play along with the YouTube thing and make as many mistakes as possible. No one's going to hear you. You're in your home. You go out in the venue and someone says, right, you're going to play with me now. Just turn yourself down. There are patrons in here and, and, and I just want you to see how you go. I mean, that's like paid. That's fine. Like, <laughs> I have to say, I wasn't getting paid. Obviously, I'm not getting paid for those things. But you understand that environment for me was very, um, again, a landmark. But I remember Dad saying to me on the, on the drives home from the gig, he'd say, you don't know how lucky you might be this. And I didn't. I, yes. I had no idea. I had no idea. You know, it wasn't until later on I started teaching a tape that I would see students in, in front of me, you know, over the age of 18 that, and early 20s, but they had never done a gig before. They had never played you know, these sort of things. And at that sort of moment, uh, it hit home that, ah, right, so what that said back then, yeah, it's true. You know, how many chances do you get as a 13, 14-year-old to go out and play in a venue um, and just to keep up, you know, and and your dad, you know, just saying, you know, at the end of it, you didn't give me too much um, uh, feedback, you know. I don't know whether he was really listening so much or maybe I just didn't play loud yeah. enough because I was just scared, you know, just trying to follow. It's a very trial-by-fire approach, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm sure if you... You connect that story to any other industry development. I'm sure there are parallels. I'm sure, you know, work experience, for example. <laughs> How many students have done work experience? You know, I did my work experience at a petrol pump. You know, you know. So, you know, it's sort of like, what's what's a mistake can you do at a petrol pump? 
But it also comes back to what you said, you know, in the opening sort of uh, lines of this conversation when you said, you know, you've got to do exams and that's a new experience which is often foreign to people and then you've got to perform which is a new experience. But if people can get their students playing and practising from younger ages so that by the time they're 18 they've done dozens if not hundreds of gigs or exam-type scenarios, it makes a world of difference for their, their confidence and their ability to perform in a number of different states or under different amounts of pressure and, yeah. and be consistent, whether there's them on their own, one person in the room or a thousand in the room. So yeah, very lucky to have uh, that experience. And I think um, this is just me as a younger person, but I always hear like my dad tell me how awesome it was playing around Brunswick and Fritz. So he, he was always a punter. He never played in bands, but talking about how, you know, there'd be a pub on every corner and, and yeah different bands you know every night of the week you go and see a, a live band so i do think that's something that uh potentially people are missing out on as musicians these days is less opportunities but that's why it's more important than ever to go out and make your own opportunities and get out oh, there and play absolutely yeah getting on that like that when dad came in 1962 and, and started playing down in an area here in melbourne called in, in st kilda in fitzroy street where most melbournians will know but that place in the 60s and early 70s every second place had live music now you go down there, there's no one playing live music, if, if maybe very few, you know. But um, yeah, you're so it's so true, it's so true. Like you, you've got to make the opportunities, you've got to network, and um, and you know, moving fast forward and getting myself and and an opportunity to teach an institute, uh, Melbourne Polytechnics, which back then was Northern Melbourne Institute of TAFE in MIT in '91. It was an opportunity that I saw students having the chance. If they didn't have, you know, what we're talking about playing, in, you know, like me playing with my dad, we got we would give them the opportunity to do experience that under controlled environments, you know, whether it's on campus or off campus in a venue. So uh, some um, the TAFE in, uh, that I worked for a number of TAFEs around the country, that's the whole idea too. It's vocational training, it's vet training, uh, vocational education training. And it's about giving them real-life experiences, whether it's on campus or moving performances off campus uh, to give them, you know, that let's give them that taste of what, what it's like. Um, so, yeah. So fast-forwarding, I guess, from that, if you want me to keep going with my development uh, from, you know, early stage of the guitar and, and then moving into sort of finishing high school and so forth, I... Um, I ended up working in music shops, you know, like I started teaching at, at um, um, my first part-time job was at Bernie's Music Land, teaching guitar as an 18-year-old, just part-time, uh, Saturday mornings in, in, the, in a shopping centre, had a music shop in there, and then that crept into a few more hours and days and, and fretted instruments, which was another well-known uh, Melbourne um, music store in Brunswick Street in Fitzroy, this one. Uh, I'd go and teach there a couple of nights. Uh, and then an opportunity came up for me and I was asked if I would like to teach just one-on-one -on -one students at um, uh, NMIT back then or Melbourne Polytechnics as it is now. And that was my entry point in, in, in that sort of institute. Uh, and again, it's a, it was a big learning curve because um, I finished high school. I um, didn't um, go through the so-called normal channels going through a music college or anything. You know, I um, my background was um, I wanted to get into VCA, Victoria College of the Arts, in 1985. I didn't, I wasn't successful. I uh, was, um, I then, my dad said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, let me go down here. I did a, a business certificate in at TAFE, would you believe, and do an accounting. For a couple of years and it was like just a wasn't a degree or anything it was just a, a certificate or what you'd record today like an advanced certificate advanced diploma in business studies mechanic but during that period i worked at a music shop i i taught i started playing gigs and my early, early gigs were you know <laughs> function gigs i used to play with the italian reception center and i got myself involved with team bands and playing every weekend every weekend Great experience. They were a lot older than me. They were established. I, I just had to try and keep up and learn all this stuff. And then slightly creeping into playing music that I wanted to play. Not that I didn't like playing that stuff, but it was like I wanted to play jazz. I wanted to experience playing jazz and uh, making contacts and then 
you know, I was at a point where I was juggling, you know, reception gigs, certain jazz gigs. I used to do a lot of traveling up in the country areas here in, in Victoria, Bendigo, Castlemaine, where I used to go and do some playing with some very seasoned jazz musicians and who would accept me playing and failure and everything, which was really cool. Um, and um, they gave me opportunity again and again um, to learn and to play. And, you know, 30 years on, I'm still at um, Polytechnics teaching. And um, I, um, when people say to me, you know, what can I do to sort of, you know, how did you do it? Oh, well, I don't know if I want to give you, you know, exactly my path because that was just my path, you know. It's not a step-by-step method, how I got to where I was. But having said that, in my defence, um, it all came down to this. Everything came back down to this and my knowledge of playing and learning and, and music and playing with different people that I can safely say that where I'm at at the moment has been and always has been this development right here, you know. So and and the, it's been great, the lockdown, you know, the, the, the COVID lockdown the last two years and doing a lot of Zoom lessons. I've been at home. Um, and what you see now around my neck is pretty much what I had every day between Zoom lessons. So this thing was always here. And... Um, uh, I was working on things that needed to have, uh, needed to be worked on. You know, I needed to work on certain things. You know, so it was great. Um, I filled up like two journals where there's stuff that I didn't really know, um, and or ex- like exercises, little things, little excursions. I do call them musical excursions. Just things that I, 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 you know, you know about, but you don't really work on. You know, like you know playing your arpeggio, seventh arpeggios in all the inversions, <laughs> you know, first, second, and third inversions. Like, can you do that, Jack? Oh, not off the cuff, you know. So working on those sort of things, extended arpeggios, so you're playing the arpeggios right through from the, from the one to the 13 on every quality of chord and variations. I mean, it gave me a lot of things to, you know, to work on, and they're still kicking my butt, and it's good. Uh, I don't know if you can see much behind me, but my music stand behind me has got stuff that that's my kick the butt music stand. That's got stuff on it that I work on and it's always got things on, you know, always. You know, it's not stuff that, oh, some things I can play a little bit easier than others, but what goes on there is usually stuff I need to work on and behind me there, those piles of stuff is repertoire, basically, all the gigs that I need to work on. Um, and coming up and, and so forth. So I, I keep a healthy balance of keep working on stuff you don't know, keep working on the repertoire you've got to play because the gig's next week or tomorrow, and juggle life and teaching all around that, which, again, it's a routine. It's, um becomes natural, becomes part of your life. Uh, it's normal, you know. My wife's understanding of that. <laughs> Yeah, I, was, so I, was, I was about to ask you a question. I was going to say, um, you seem to be very, very busy in terms of, you know, you've got all these gigs coming up, you're playing actively, you're teaching. Uh, a lot of musicians, you know, struggle. They sort of either fall into, okay, I'm a teacher now or, you know, I'm a gigging musician and I just do a bit of teaching on the side. So I was about to say, how have you managed to balance everything? But it sounds like the key is having a great wife. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that's 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 part of it, you know, or should I say having someone who's understanding that's very important or an environment of people who who get you, who understand why and what you do. It's very helpful, very, very calming, and it's very, very good on your psyche, very good on your, you know, the things that aren't in your control sometimes. You know, this in some ways is and not in your control. Sometimes you've got to want to want, you want more control, so you work on it. But that, that juggling thing, it's, it comes down to, I guess, my upbringing that I, 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 I see my father and what he did. He played music. That was his earning income stream. He put food on the table. He paid for us to go through school, public school. You know, I know what he sacrificed for us. Um, so it's important that if it, for me, undertaking this, and having it as a lifelong ambition, it is a discipline. It's it's a commitment, obviously, as well. And and I think it's obviously a love and a passion because if, if you find it's a chore to put this on or to work on stuff, then uh, I don't know. I, I, 
think it would be very difficult to do what I continue to do because um, I find that the music aspect is what uh, uh, breathes life into everything else, you know, the teaching especially because my experience of playing music should sort of um, generate um, some sort of background to why the student learns something, like a theoretical thing, you know, why do we learn? about chords, why do we learn about scars, why do we learn about rhythms, you know, why do we have to look at that genre of stuff? You know, I mean, if you don't play, then I don't know how, if you're teaching that, and this is just me thinking and talking, I know everyone's got different opinions, um, but I find that the playing has definitely benefited, uh, helped my teaching and vice versa, you know, and vice versa. But it mainly it's always been can I play, can I do, so the juggling thing really it just comes down to discipline again, you know, like um, you know, being organized. You know, something that I've, you know, we all I got better and better over the years. Like um I I, I pretty much in advance try and spot things that I need to do. Uh like just today I, I pulled out some gear for the wedding I'm gonna play on Saturday. It's Saturday, today's Wednesday. And I've got I've got tonight's rehearsal with this where's Montgomery. I've got tomorrow night. I've got um, the Big Bang gig, Darren McKenzie Jazz Orchestra. I play, and it's it's tomorrow night. Uh, Friday night I've got school bands uh, from Polytechnics performing, so I have to go and and supervise and watch that and critique that. Saturday on the day to winning, I've got a session the whole day from nine o'clock to three o'clock, and then I run from the session to the wedding. Now, that's not something that happens every week, but it's happening and I know what I've got to do. And it's sort of like I'm going to pull out my gear. For example, I, I needed to make sure my extension lead works well. You know, power extension lead. Now, because I've been told where I'm setting up, the extension, the power lead is so long, you know, the, the PowerPoint. So I know it, it sounds a little bit over the top, but, Think of it this way: If I got there on the gig and my power cord's not working, and I've got a um, a, part, a wedding party waiting for their song to be played, and I can't play anything, well, you know who's going to be left with egg on their face? You know, those sort of things. I I know the the outcomes to to a point. You know, I've got a job to do; it's a responsibility. So, to answer your question, I think you, you've got to be quite um, strategic. You know, like thank God for our phones and 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 basically your calendars, digital calendars. I mean, I used to write things in a, in, a, in my calendar diary. Sorry, you've got a diary in your phone, mate. I everything goes in there. Everything, you know. Uh, if you're going to have a life in music, I think the easiest part is to deal with stuff that is in your control. Staff, you know, mate. You need petrol in the car. You better go and do it today. Because if you're running the gig tomorrow and you run out before you get there, you know, you know what I mean? There's those sort of things. Um, you've got to change strings. You don't do it, you know, on the morning when you're playing, for example, especially on the classical guitar, you know. You put it in. Like I put things in there you, you, you'd you laugh at. But, but it's sort of like, you know, change the battery in two months' time for that preamp in that guitar, you know. It's stuff very... For me, it's really important that I, I, I get up in the morning and go, okay, so what have I got today? And these things have been put in sometimes weeks before. But I know, you know, like you do when you're opening up your book, you know what's coming up. So you organise yourself. You sort of mentally prepare yourself. You know, this gig that I'm releasing tonight, I'm already mentally preparing for it. It's on the end of the month. And what's today? Today is the 23rd. So this gig's on. I'm already mentally preparing for it. You know, because I'm fronting the band, I've got to talk. You know, let alone fly, I've got to talk to the audience. So I'm literally preparing myself for that because, you know, most musicians put a microphone in front of them, except if they're a singer. What do you talk about? What do you talk? What do you tell your audience who've paid good money to come and see? So it's a responsibility and these sort of things, they weigh up on me too because if I don't do my homework and it's and I don't do a good job, it's only miss number one to blame for all this. There's no one else. But um, And you learn, again. From mistakes, you just learn from not being prepared from that last gig. You know, if you didn't, yeah. if you didn't make the improvements or make note of it, and it came up again, and you went through the same egg on your face again, it's like, well, 
what are you doing? You know, or you're playing that you're improvising through those chord changes, and you know you made a you made a meal out of it. It was really bad. Well, next time it comes up, hopefully it's a bit better, wouldn't you think? But <laughs> only a bit better if you've actually taken the time to assess it uh, and do a bit of preparation. It might not be fantastic the next time, but it could be better. Um, or it's the same, you know. So again, that thing: discipline, responsibility organizational skills and 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 looking after your health very important you know walking eating properly getting enough sleep don't indulge in in in, in stuff that you're shooting over the top you know um, moderation is all good i mean i've been very lucky to meet in my life some world-class physicians world-class and they are the most humble people i've met uh as far as professional people, they are people that continually had worked on their craft every day, even being Grammy nominated, they still work on their stuff every day. And then, and it's a lesson, just that, you know, seeing that in front of you. You go, wow, that person has to work at it every day and he's done this, 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 this. So what am I doing? <laughs> what, where am I at? You know, oh, I won't practice that. I'll leave it to that. Someone else is practicing more than you. At this point, when you say that, um, and not that it should be a competition either. It's just basically, you know, it's about you wanting to develop if you love it. You know, what's what's on your table at the moment? What is it? What is it that you're actually trying to tick off? Which what are your aims? Rambling on a bit, aren't I, Michael? Oh, I, just, I could listen to you talk all day, Jack. There's just oh, so really? much you know, oh, wisdom. Man. Wisdom pouring out. The only only thing I'm like sitting there going, oh no! When you said you got that big list, well, I absolutely appreciate the organisation. I'd love to know more, but I know every single item on that list. There's an embarrassing story or a massive mistake or a big stuff up that uh, <laughs> caused enough grief for it to become an item on the list. So, oh man, uh, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, sometimes the days I'm just looking through my calendar. Sometimes it's it's really you know mundane things, but you know. I, it could be, you know, like I, I prepare, like I'll tell you a common one that I do, you know, from my list. Like today, I, um, at the end of today, I get my gear ready to put in the car tomorrow for tomorrow night's gear. It's got to be done tonight because I, I've got to leave early in the morning. So if, you know, just to put things in perspective, you know, I've got to go and teach for the day, but I'll leave from the teaching uh, institute to go to the gig. So if I don't have my stuff ready, I'm, I ain't going to do it tomorrow morning. You know, when I'm sort of having my cup of coffee and trying to relax and start my day, I'm going to do it today. I'm going to do it at the end of the day. My gear's ready. It's just going to be popped in the car and I go. Simple things, I know, but I don't want to be, you know, halfway to the gig tomorrow night and go, oh, I forgot, whatever, you know. So that's just conditioning. That's just just personal conditioning. And, uh, like, if you've got two or three gigs a week, which sometimes I may have, Kids or not, it's the night before the gear's getting ready uh, for the, to go in the car the next day, or if I've got the luxury or I don't have it, the day of teaching, the day after, it's fine. I'll do it that morning and it's ready, you know, and make sure the guitars are in order, you know, the intonation, if there's anything in your strings and so forth, or what effects do I need to take, what amp will I take, which guitars would I take. It's always, maybe I, I, maybe I should use my mind more and remember, but, I'm a human. I know things are going to happen from that day. So I write them down. Um, that gig, take that guitar, that amp, that pedal. <laughs> that next gig is the next day. I'll take that amp and take that guitar and that pedal. I, 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 I have to break it down sometimes for me. If that resonates with people, good. You know, uh, maybe you can get into it. If you get busy and busier, maybe try and think of adjusting a few of your ways to do it. Fantastic. Well, Jack, I am conscious of the time that we do have, and I know you're going to rehearsal to duck off to. So um, perhaps if we could just go back to you working at Melbourne Polytechnic and, and having some involvement with the, obviously the screening process and the audition process, would you have any advice to advanced players who do want to uh, become professional musicians and go down the path of auditioning and, and going to music school? Yeah, yeah. Firstly, with the audition process, uh, the recommendation and the advice I give to anyone auditioning is to be yourself. That's number one. Meaning, musically, be yourself. Like, if you come in and audition in front of any one of us, uh, I think for anyone, it's really nice to be able to hear someone express themselves, whatever instrument, 
uh, naturally as possible, not something that you learned during the week that you really find you think it's going to impress and you're struggling and you're stressed because you can't perform it properly. So have a think about it. Things that you can play well, you can communicate musically well um, to whoever you may meet in an audition. That's that's a big piece of advice I can give to anyone. For, for our auditions, we sort of ask for two contrasting pieces. Contrasting can mean many things. It can mean, you know, that guy just plays one style. Okay. Well, two different tempos. Then. You know, give me, if it's a rock thing, give me a rock bell and give me something. Oh, if they can play different, two different styles, terrific. Um, or, you know, classical piece and electric piece, that's fine. So I think the other thing, big reason um, people get into institutes like that, besides getting qualifications, it's networking because um, you're going to have a, a, a pool of people at the same place where, you know, you think they all would be thinking the same thing. It's all music or it's, you know, it's guitar. Or, that's not a bad thing, you know. So I know over 30 years there have been lots of students who have made connections and friendships with people that are continuing today and play music uh, because of their connection and their introductions in these courses. And they just click with someone or click with a number of people. That's a really cool thing. Obviously, I think making a career out of music, well, that's a big area of what does that mean. So, you know, does it mean you want to, you know, try and maybe go down and get qualifications to teach in high school? Well, you know, that could be that path. And, and TAFE is an, uh, a great jumping um, way to get there. Um, I shouldn't use the word jumping because normally through TAFE you've got to go and do your degree uh, and so forth. And we've got a lot of ex-students who are running music departments you know, around in our areas, in our northern suburbs. Um, and it's really fantastic to see. So they're making, they're making their careers by getting involved in certain high schools or whatever and, uh, and playing music. Um, the, the point I want to make too about if, if with a career, I mean, you know, we're talking about an income stream too. So, that again, you know, a career is one that hopefully you love doing, but it's also one that, pays the bills, puts the food on the table, you know, educate, we'll educate your kids, whatever else your, your, your situation is. So it's sort of like you've got to think it through. You, you know, if you're going to do uh, and uh, commit to some sort of educational thing, be it our course, a TAFE course or an edu- uh, the degree course, where is it all heading? And is it, have you looked into the outcome? Like where do you think it will end up? Because um, if it's teaching, then there are area that you can move into but it's playing then that's a totally different thing as you know michael you know you've really got to set your own well not your own but you've got to be uh it's very difficult to be what's the word um when you start playing you've got to just play anything and everything that comes your way until you can be selected this is my thinking like i, I still do things I, I love doing all sorts of things but in the beginning i took on everything that i could possibly play you know, um, like that reception thing. You tell me, I mean, it just came my way and I thought, well, it's not something I aimed or wanted to do, but it's playing and I'm learning and I'm, I'm thankful that I did it. I learned a lot of experiences. So, you know, the teaching thing is one thing and one career stream where a lot of people go down that and they and have some fantastic careers and motivate and inspire lots of students to, to in music and beyond and have music as a love in their life. The playing side, well, you know, I think anyone can start that if they've got, you know, fundamentals happening. You can go out and do some busking. You can put a group together. If you're at a high level, you know, try and play some venues that you aspire to play at, get involved and write music and so There's nothing stopping you from doing that. I mean, this is the 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 just the way our industry is, you know, like no the Beatles didn't go through an institute, you know. They went for an institute, but it wasn't an educational one that you and I know. You know, they just went for a whole different area of stuff and playing music and learning off each other. And and you know, that's how they got their craft together. But so I, I really um advise the playing has it's got to be there, I I believe. And I don't, I don't care if you're playing at your local pub, on the corner somewhere, on TV, in a studio. It doesn't matter. You've got to get involved and play music. Make people happy with what you're doing. 
which I'm, I'm hoping to do with this wedding thing I'll play on Saturday. It's something that I'm, I'm sure hopefully generate a smile. And, and, and that's, that's wonderful profession to be in. It's not, it's not an accounting profession. It's not, <laughs> you know, it's a, you're not sitting there on the desk. You're giving. You know, whether you're teaching, you're playing, it's giving, you know. So um, I think there are really important uh, things to consider when we're talking about a career and uh, in our industry. Fantastic. And normally I have a question about, you know, if you can impart one little bit of advice on a on the listeners here, what would you say? But I think that, that, that the last little bit of that sentiment was was summarise that up. But my one final question for you, Jack, because I know you've got to go and I've got to go too. Um, for people who want to go and do music, whether it's study it at a school, whether it's um, you know becoming a classroom teacher or, or people who want to go out and be a rock star and professional musicians, but their parents and loved ones are saying, no, don't do it. You can't make any money. You need a day job or you need to have a plan B. What's yeah. your advice in those scenarios? Wow, that's, that's a very common one um, and scenario. We find a lot of students, a lot of people in. My advice, my advice, you've got to follow your heart. That's number one first. You know, like the same thing I said earlier, my father didn't want, well, maybe I didn't say it, I probably said it to someone else. My father didn't want my, my brother and I to make careers in music and because uh, he knew how hard it was. But deep down, my brother and I knew that that's what we wanted to do. Uh, and that's coming from a father who was a career musician, you know. So we did it, but I, I guess in ways I had to prove Without, without being on a, on a psychiatrist's couch here, I, I had to prove that I could do things to sustain myself, earn a living. And, like, um, it was all in music, though. That's the thing. You know, working in a music retail environment. I was selling instruments. I was teaching. And then I was also in the back of my mind wanting to play more. Sometimes you just got to show people who maybe not understand, I think you just got to show them what you do. That's one thing, you know, like play. Let them sit them down and just play. If you're really passionate about what you do and, and they can see it when you're doing it, that speaks volumes for a start, you know. I mean, I don't think any parent or any friend who sees you pouring your heart out, heart out playing something, you're going to say, hey, you know what, Joe, I reckon you should go and do something else. I think that's, you know, if, if, you, can, if you can win one person, man, you're doing great. You know, forget about winning a room or winning an audience. Just win that one person and 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 show that you you are disciplined to do that. Show that you're willing to put the effort in. Show that you're willing to understand what it what it all means. Because you know, career in music is not easy. It's not easy. You know, uh, you've got to juggle a lot of things. So show 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 the passion. And show that you enjoy what you're doing uh, because you and I know there's lots of people out there who don't like getting out of bed to go and do their work for the day, you know, because it's just too hard, man, you know, the chore, whatever that may be. But, you know, like I, I love it. You know, I, I get up in the morning, I practice. I get up in the morning, I go to school, I go and teach. I come home, I, you know, there's music on. There's, it's, it's, it is a wonderful uh, um, privilege too. Not, not to be taken lightly because there are people well worse off than you uh, and us doing things that they don't like doing. So here we are. I've got this around my neck. What a joy. So if you show that to people, especially parents, I think, and it, it's, it's going to be a hard sell. I mean, either way you look, it's a very hard sell. But show that you're committed. Give them, uh, give, get, get your ammunition together, man, you know. Show that, you know, if you're paying for your own lessons, for example, I don't know. You're earning you're earning money to pay for your lessons to do stuff. You know, I'm sure any parent would look at that and go, "Wow, look at the, the effort that, that that kid's going to," because they look they love that. And then it's it's a joint thing between the parent and the child to discuss and maybe discover what does the career paths look like. Can we chat about it? Can we find out about it? Can we go and talk to people about it? I mean, I can't tell you how many parents I've spoken to. You know, especially young students who come at tape. Who say to me, so what's my kid going to get? Wow, okay, let's sit down and have a chat. Because obviously they don't know. They have no idea. And, um, you know, when you get that comment, you can, you're already up against the negative straight away because you can yeah. feel it. 
you know. Um, so it's like, whoa. So I go through personal story. I go through stories of students that have gone on, talk about our industry in general and so forth. I mean, I just came across, uh, as a, again, no names, but a very good young up-and-coming guitar player who's, um, who, whose career is, is going off on a beautiful tangent that had to make sacrifices for teaching. So that person can tour because that's what they love doing. You know, the teaching will always be there in some aspects, but maybe the tour won't be. Everyone's different, you know. So um, I just chatted with that person yesterday. Great stuff, you know. And this person wasn't a student of mine, by the way. I, someone I've come across over the last few years, a young and upcoming beautiful player, and, um, and, 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 and we chat about things and I've actually given this person a couple of my gigs in the past to, to do because I know they've got the skill, uh, the reading skills and everything else. And it's really, for me, it's inspiring. You know, I, I said to this person, yes, I, you know, you're inspiring me from what you're doing. It's great. So getting back to your question, yeah, try and show the love that, and the commitment and the passion and, and hopefully you've got an ear on the other end who's going to sympathetically listen to you and then maybe, okay, well, let's work this out together. Is what you said too, Michael. That's a very common thing. Parents, you know, especially they don't come from a musical background, they're very wary of it. They're, they're sort of brainwashed with what they hear in the industry anyway. You know, it's you know lifestyles, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yes, you know. So you know, you can imagine any worrying parent going, "Well, I don't know if I want little Johnny to be going down down that path." You know, but um, I know that um, from my experience and a lot of my colleagues, you know, professionalism means professionalism. You know, it's not amateurish. It's not hobbyish. You know, you can leave that for some other venture. But professionalism means you've got to do a number of things. And um, so that all these things that we spoke about today, it does cover a level of professionalism um, that, um, you know, you can hold yourself up in any environment, um, come across and do the best you can and fail. You know, pros fail all the time. I do, you know. So it's sort of like go ahead and do things and um, pick yourself up, fix them up, improve, get better for the next gig, um, et cetera, et cetera. I hope that helps. Some sort of things. Very, very helpful to me hearing this and I'm sure all the listeners as well. Now, lastly, I feel like we've just scratched the surface um, yep. and we could I, I could listen to you talk for hours, Jack. I just think there's so much we could talk about, but unfortunately we do have to wrap it up. Where can the listeners find out more about you? Oh, cool. Wow. Lockdown's been great because, you know, little Jack here got his website happening, which is fantastic. Finally. So um, I developed a website. You can find it easily on jackpantazas.com. Uh, so jack, J-A-C-K-P-A-N-T-A-Z-I-S.com. I've, I've uploaded a lot of things. My music, I've got two CDs out. Um, hopefully later in the year I'll go and do a third one because I think 12 years has been enough of a hiatus, really. And all the gigs, there's an events page there, there's some downloads, free downloads, there's some arrangements, some guitar tunes for solid guitar that you can download um, all the music from the first CD. The second one you can listen to uh, and there's a link where you can purchase it. Yeah, I'm happy with it. And a lot of links to things that I've done in my career and with different people, uh, YouTube stuff and all sorts of stuff in that. So, And you can send me oh. I'm available for lessons. You can people can write into me. Uh, any questions? I'm open in regards to music and guitar and, and career choices. I'll try and answer if I can. But um, there's a, a contact page there, and they can just write to me, and uh, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Fantastic. So if you're listening at home or you're watching on the internet, go to Jack's website, hit him up. He's an absolute wealth of knowledge and experience, and Jack. Thank you so much for coming on the Top Music Guitar Podcast and we'll look forward to having a chat to you soon. My pleasure. Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. Oh, there we go. You can play us off. <laughs> Guys, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode of the podcast. Thanks once again. If you enjoy this show and want to hear more of our work, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. 
For links and resources mentioned in this episode, including a free ebook on how to find more guitar students, visit us at www.topmusic.co slash guitar or check out the show notes. And lastly, thanks again for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.